This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Morning, church. How are we doing? Good, 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 good. Hey, I don't know if you ever find yourself in a place where you are the minority. Anyone ever done that? Anyone ever find themselves in the place where you are the minority, maybe in thinking, maybe in gender, maybe in ethnicity, whatever it may be, maybe in or out, English or Welsh, to use some topical examples. Um, But I don't know if you ever find yourself in places like that, uh, and then you realize in the moment. I was recently in London, and I went to watch a football game. We won't mention which one. I went to watch a football game with my friend, and I, being me, I'd put my England shirt on, this is my, my jeans and my trainers, and a particular area we'd gone to watch the football game in was um, an area where all the banks were and a lot of officers, and so we got to this place where we were watching the football, and I was the only guy in an England shirt. We may have been watching England. And I, I was there, I'm thinking, well, come on, all right, these guys have come from work, that's cool, they've come straight here, that's all good. And uh, so I, I'm there, I'm ready, I'm passionate, I'm ready to hopefully see my team win. Uh, you may be able to guess which one it is. And as the game begins, the atmosphere was good, you know, for the first couple of minutes, got very good in the second minute. And then... As something happened, the atmosphere went down slightly, and then in the 18th minute, it really hit rock bottom. And so I'm there with about 100 other people watching this football match, and I'm thinking, right, we need some positivity here, because this, this, the, the atmosphere is getting a bit negative. There's a few people thinking that our team can't do it. So I'm thinking, right, I'm going to start a chant. So I started a chant. A few people got involved. Just a few around me. And a few others started to ripple out. And I started another one. And me and my mate were just going for it. We thought, come on, we can do this. Positive thinking can go from London to France. And it will reach someone. Hopefully the goalkeeper. And so so we're doing this. And it begins to spread out. The people around us who were once like, oh, this sucks. And, you know, used other creative words to describe what was going on. And... The, uh, we began to, the, the atmosphere began to permeate around us. We began to permeate out what we were bringing out into the other people around us. And other people around us began to, well, maybe, maybe we can do this. Maybe we can do this. And I think we all know how that game ended. But the thing is this, as I was there in that moment, I was in a minority because I thought, no, we've got to keep positive thinking. We've got to keep in the mindset of that right in that moment even though right around me was negativity, right around me was dipping down into what it was. And I thought, no, we can shift the culture around us right now. We can shift something around us. And so me and my friend, that began to permeate out to those other people. And this morning, we're continuing our series, Living and Leading, focusing around the book of 1 Timothy in the Bible. And this morning, I want to talk about culture setters. Culture setters determine the landscape of the future. That's the statement I want you to remember this morning. Culture setters determine the landscape of 
the future. You know, when we choose to set a culture around us, the environment begins to change that that we find ourselves in. We begin to plant a new culture. We begin to shift something around us, even though we may be in the minority. Even though we may be in the minority. You know, culture is the characteristics of a certain group of people who are choosing to believe that, who are choosing to live that, who are choosing to plant something new. Most of you will probably recognize that I clearly, by just outlook, am a horticulture expert. You think, that guy, he knows stuff about gardens. He knows about, I don't even have a garden. Well, that's a start, isn't it? I've got a backyard. It's just flags. Well, I know this. I know some simple basic stuff because I listened in science once. That if you get a bulb like this, this is a, this is a bulb. It's a tulip bulb, actually. I bet you didn't think I'd know that. I've actually forgotten the name of this plant. I was going to press you with that, but I've actually forgotten. Um, speak to someone who knows something afterwards. But you get this bulb, and what you do is, obviously, you plant it in, into the soil. So we've got a little pot of soil there. So you plant, you plant the bulb down. And then what happens? You water it. But you don't see anything, do you? You don't see anything for a while. And that's kind of what it's like. You, you plant something new in, you're trying to set a new culture in an environment, but sometimes it feels like nothing is happening. Nothing is happening around you. But then as you begin to water it, encourage that around you, it then begins to shoot up. It begins to shoot out of the ground. You begin to see some life. You think, actually, this thing is growing. Actually, we can shift the culture around us. And then, and then you get to a point where it grows like this. And that, I, I've been told on good authority, is ready to come out of its pot and go into the ground. And then from there, that is just going to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. Until it changes the landscape. You see, culture setters... That is, me and you determine the landscape of the future, but it all starts with what we plant in the ground. What we choose to plant right there. And then it grows and we, you know, we get encouraged. We think, oh, this is beginning to shoot up and then it gets to something bigger. And then what we do is we take it out, it permeates out of ourselves and into the culture around us and it shifts the whole landscape of the future. But it takes time. It's kind of like leaving a legacy of faith. It takes time. It doesn't just happen tomorrow. So the future is based on the culture that we set now. And God has created us to be people who set the culture, who create the culture in our environment, in our families, in our friends, in our workplaces, in our communities. But sometimes we think, well, actually, the culture is so tough around me. The stuff that is going around me, the beliefs of people around me, how people think, what people say, what people do, that is tough. That is a reality. There is a strong culture going on around us. We may feel in the different environments that we are in. But what I love is, is God isn't just going, oh, you just kind of manage that on your own. God wants to empower us to set a new culture. God wants to help us. God wants to encourage us to bring something different to the environment that we find ourselves in. So God is inviting us to create a different culture. Because being a culture setter determines the landscape of the future. And As we're looking through the book of Timothy, Timothy is this guy who finds himself in a place called Ephesus. There's also another letter in the Bible, a letter to the Ephesians. It's to the same church. It's to the same place. He's a guy leading this fledgling church 
and there is a strong culture in that city. This is a cosmopolitan city. It's, it's got all this mix of Greek and Roman thinking. It's full of trade and fashion and worship of whatever you want. It's a place where dreams and ideas could come true, maybe. People go there for that kind of thing. It's all about self-satisfaction, basically what you enjoy. This is the place he finds himself in, and he's thinking, actually, and the writer's trying to encourage him to say, actually, let's build something different. Let's, let's, let's change the environment around us. I don't know about you, but that description reminds me of 2016. That actually we live in a society of diversity, which is great, but sometimes that's centered around self-satisfaction and worship of whatever we want. You know, a society where value is measured on how many likes you get on your selfie. A society where actually so- your social media account is your real thoughts and your face-to-face, well, that's just what you want to let people know. That this is what is all around us and we find ourselves in. And sometimes we just think, oh, this is, this is tough. Actually, I'm not, I'm not sure if I agree with everything going on around me. And our society also encourages us to just flip between whatever we want, whatever we enjoy. But surely there's a better way. I don't want my worth to be trapped, wrapped up in the amount of likes that I get on Facebook. I don't want to be flitting in between things. I don't know about you. And sometimes there's so many different opportunities around us that it's easy to just jump between things. I want to be someone who's consistent. And that is a challenge. That is an opportunity to live like that. And so Timothy's leading this, this, this new church. He's trying to set a different culture. He's trying to say, actually, God's the most important thing, following his leadership and, and living life to the full. And so the writer of 1 Timothy In 1 Timothy 2 that we're going to turn to in a second, he is encouraging a different kind of culture. He's encouraging a different kind of culture. So let's let's jump into it. 1 Timothy 2, it's going to be on the screen. It says this. I urge then, first of all, that request prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Wow. That's, that's some good instruction. And the first thing that the writer is encouraging Timothy, is saying, well, what are you believing for? What are you believing for? You see, God is encouraging us to start a conversation with him. He uses these different words of prayer, intercession, petition, thanksgiving. These are a different kind of conversation with God. God wants to engage with us in that. You know, when we have a connection and we're in that conversation with God, it will always affect our personal culture. And I love that. You know, when you're in relationship with someone, when you're in friendship with someone, that's always going to affect you. Stuff always going to rub off. You know, God's the ultimate example. God's the ultimate person I want to be like. I want to I live like Jesus lived. That's my goal. And I want to encourage all of us to, to do that and think, well, actually, that's what I want to strive for. Then being in connection with him is going to help us to do that. And it talks about his different kinds of, of, of prayer. It talks about intercession. You know, intercession is when we, uh, you know, we pray and intercess on behalf of someone. When we come alongside, like we did with Anna before, we came alongside and said, let's pray for her. Let's believe for breakthrough for her. 
You know, we've got petition where we're coming to God and saying, God, I need breakthrough in this. It's a request for ourselves. And then we've got thanksgiving when we thank God for all he's done, all he's doing and all he's going to do. And God is encouraging us to build a different culture, a culture of breakthrough. I don't know what you're believing for, but I've got things in my life that I'm believing for breakthrough in. Believing for what God can do in my situation. I want to read um, just a part of uh, Mark Batson's book, Circle Maker. It's a brilliant book. And it says this. As I look over my shoulder, I am grateful for the miracles that God has done. I'm keenly aware of the fact that every miracle has a genealogy. If you trace those miracles all the way back to their origin, you'll find a prayer. Miracles are, are the byproduct of prayers that were prayed by you or for you. And that should always be your mo- that, and that should all be all you need as a motivation to pray. God has determined that certain expressions of his power will only be exercised in response to prayer. Simply put, God won't do it unless you pray for it. We have not because we ask not. The greatest tragedy in life is, is the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. Now, here's the good news. If you do pray, all bets are off. Love that. All bets are off. You can live with holy anticipation because you never know how or when or where God is going to answer it. But I promise you this, he will answer and his answers are not limited by our requests. We pray out of our ignorance, but God answers out of his omniscience. We pray out of our impotence, but God answers out of his omnipotence. God has the ability to answer the prayers we should have prayed and lack knowledge or ability to even ask. You know, I love that because sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like, how do I pray for this? Is there a specific way? Well, actually, God's like, no, the real thing that matters is your desire, is your willingness to go, God, I need breakthrough in this. That is a great prayer. You don't need to add anything to that. But you can stand in that and go, God, I'm believing for a miracle in this. I need breakthrough in this. I'm praying for this person in this. God is in the business of breakthrough. In, in my situation, your situation, the problems that we face. So where do we need breakthrough this morning? I know that I need breakthrough in situations in my life. You know, we want to see more breakthrough in the life of the youth ministry here at the church and in the life of the noise. I want to see breakthrough in the life of Paige GB that's based here at the church. I want to see breakthrough in my family, in certain members of my family. I want to see breakthrough in their lives. I don't know about you, but I bet there's some people who need some breakthrough here today. And what I love is, and what Pete shared earlier, is that there's some amazing examples of breakthrough. Let me tell you some, just from the past two months, that baby Esme got a breakthrough healing. That was awesome. I like that one. People who got breakthrough on appeals to Burnley High School. Breakthrough in addiction. Financial provision. And over 120 young people responding to God in May. They're just five examples. Talk to some people in the room and you will hear stories of breakthrough. This is a community full of breakthrough. And we've got the opportunity to stand together and go, actually, yeah, we're believing for a, we've got a culture of breakthrough here. And when we take that out and, and wherever we go, we bring that with us. Wherever we go, that's what we take with us. 
You know, when we intercess for others, when we petition for God for our own breakthrough, when we thank God for all he has done. It all starts in us. Being a culture setter starts in the culture that we build in us. And God wants to help us do that. You know, without a culture of breakthrough and knowing God can do it, then actually we're just a group of people just doing good stuff, aren't we? That actually God is the one who takes it up a level. God is the one who brings the breakthrough. And so we begin with a culture of breakthrough. And here's another key cultural factor. Let's just go back to verse 1. It says this, I urge you then, first of all, that request prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. The right here is encouraging us to have a culture of thankfulness. A culture of thankfulness. The writer wants to encourage us to be thankful and pray for people. You know, I want to be a thankful person in life. I don't know about you. And sometimes there's stuff that we're going through that it's hard sometimes to be thankful for the other stuff because it's like, this is massive. This is a massive problem. This is a massive challenge. Well, I'd encourage you all of us, what can we be thankful for? What can we be thankful for in the moment? You know, I don't know if you, you like me, when you watch the news, the news is kind of helpful for, for one, th- one side of this, which is the news gives us prayer requests all the time. I don't know if you ever find that. All the time. All the time. Uh, sometimes you can't write quick enough and it's scrolling across the screen. I don't know about you, but it just gives us prayer requests all the time. But when was the last time we heard a prayers report on the news? Well, something in our culture about the need, about the issues, isn't there? That actually we can say, no, let's bring a culture of prayers reports. Let's bring a culture of thankfulness. Whatever we're going through, we can be thankful. But what are we thankful for? Who are we thankful for? Who are we praying for? And that's what I love in verse 2, because he's like, you know, pray for everyone, give thanksgiving for everyone, but then the writer says, for kings and all those in authority that they may live, that, sorry, that we may live peaceful, quiet lives in godliness and holiness. It's like the writer knows 2016. They're like, be thankful for everyone, including those in authority. It's like they know where we're at right now in our nation. That actually there's something that we have an opportunity to shift. That actually the people in influence in our society, the people in authority in our society, they've got challenges, they make mistakes, they get it wrong, and we have the opportunity to pray for them, to thank God for them. And the media does its great job at picking holes in what they do wrong. But I believe we can bring a culture of thankfulness for who they are, for the sacrifice they've made. Not pointing out the mistakes that they've made, but doing something different. You know, after the brutal murder of Joe Cox a number of weeks ago, this hashtag started trending on Twitter. Thank your MP. Thank your MP. Because people realize that actually MPs are ordinary people. And one of them, sadly, just got murdered, who was actually trying to do good stuff for a community. And so it shifted all of a sudden people's mindsets, because then we went, okay, let's be thankful. Let's be thankful for those members of parliament who represent us. Let's, let's do something about it. Let's send our MP a message on Twitter or, or write them a letter. You know, recently, it made me think about writing to David Cameron, our prime minister. So I did. I wrote to him. I thanked him for serving our country for the past six years. 
I didn't talk about the decisions he's made. I didn't talk about his political party. I thanked him as an individual who sacrificed to lead our country. And then I said at the end, can I, can I meet you for a brew? So we'll see if he gets back to me. <laughs> you've, got, you've got to do that. Why not? Why not? He's not got back to me on that bit yet. But um, I'll keep trying. If anyone knows me, there'll be a few letters that go to him. Um, thanking him for what he's done. We have the opportunity to do that. Can I encourage you this week? Think about who you can thank and honor. Think about who's in authority that you can thank and honor because it sets a new culture. It sets an example to those around us in our nation. This week, who can you thank? Can you thank your MP? You know, thank the councillors. Because you know what? Encouragement always spurs people on. That's what I find. Negativity seems to slow people down. But encouragement spurs people on. You know, and a culture of thankfulness always leads to a countercultural action. Verse 8 says, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. Thankfulness is always going to affect that kind of action. It always leads to different kinds of action. That actually, it's not about violence or disputing or negativity anymore. God's saying, well, actually, we can bring something different. And it's going to lead to us not doing that. You know, if you build a culture of thankfulness in your life, probably don't need to worry about thinking, oh, am I going to have a fight today? It's not something I think about, really. Also, you know, you look at me and think, yeah, you'd always lose. But it changes our actions. The culture of thankfulness always permeates through us and to others. Third thing we see in verse 3 and 4. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. There is something bigger at play. God wants us to be connected to him. God wants people to experience his love, to have connection with him, to live their lives for him. And when we believe and pray for others, we're not just praying for a moment. One moment, there's pivotal moments in all of our journey towards God, but actually we're believing that all people will get connected to God. All people will live the lives God's created them to live. And therefore get involved in God's restoration plan for the world. And you know what this speaks of, I believe, is a culture of grace. A culture of grace. You see, grace gives us the opportunity to not live out of the past but step into the future that God's got for us. Grace enables us to live a life that isn't based on our past mistakes. Grace means that everyone is able to access the life that God's got for them. You know, when, you know, when this writer's saying, okay, let's believe for all people, well then, if we're believing for all people, that includes you and me, and we know, and if you didn't, you know now, that actually it's grace that enables us to connect with God, enables us to live for God, because grace is God's best at the expense of Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead. You know, grace is my story. Grace is many people's story in the room. You know, when I was at school, my mouth got me in a lot of trouble. But some people were like, oh, that's a real surprise. <laughs> and other people who know me are like, hmm, yeah. But you see, grace enables you to then use what was once broken for something greater in the future. So whatever it is in your life that you think, I've messed up, God can't do anything about me, God can't help me. No, he can. There's many stories in this room, my story is one of those. 
And actually, that culture of grace is all about us starting again. So we're believing for other people to experience the grace of God, which enables them to connect with him. And grace is not just something shown in a moment, but something Jesus is continually outworking in our lives. A culture of grace always empowers people, always empowers us, so that we get to partner with God in his restoration plan for the world. So what God has done for us is out of grace. God is the ultimate grace shower. In 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 and 6, it says this. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, sorry, for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. Jesus... God in human form came to earth to bridge the gap between us and himself, God. Jesus, sorry, Jesus is the ultimate pioneer. You see, pioneers don't just make a way, they become the way. You see, Jesus pioneered a way for us to reconnect with himself, God, and for us to be back in that connection. God became the way. To be that mediator. It's about what God has done for us. God did not just go, yeah, Jesus, you go and do my dirty work. Because that's not how it works. Jesus is God. God came in human form and made a way. He is the ultimate mediator. He is the ultimate bridge. You know, Jesus, uh, sorry, God did all the work. He did it from start to finish. I've got a friend who's an architect. And uh, when he talks about the things he's planning, the houses he's uh, designing and working on the things, he's just the start of the process. And I love that God had the ultimate plan. Then he said, well, let's break ground, do some foundation work. I'll come as, as a human to earth, Jesus, the person of Jesus. Then, I won't stop there, then I'll make sure it's finished and completed. And then I'll come and pick you up at your house to bring you to the opening. Jesus came and met us where we were at. Jesus wants to meet you where you're at today. This is the person of God. That Jesus, God himself, gave it all for us. He pioneered. He was the original pioneer. And for us, that means that we can take that example, because Jesus is an example, and live a culture of pioneering. You know, I love a story that, a friend of mine tells her about soldiers in World War I and World War II films where there's like a unit of soldiers and there's barbed wire in front of them and somebody needs to kind of get rid of that barbed wire for everyone to go over and win the battle. And what happens is one of the soldiers lays himself on the barbed wire and then there's other soldiers walk across his back. He literally becomes the way. He becomes the path but he was laying on barbed wire. He was pioneering the way. And Jesus is our ultimate example of this. He went to the cross and died for us to make a way to God himself. And as we set a culture of pioneering, we are pioneering something new. And it encourages to keep going. Sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we face challenges, face problems. Whatever it may be, we're that ultimate example of Jesus in people's lives sometimes, and we're trying to live that, and sometimes we come up against stuff. And so we want to keep going, and keep going on, because it may, through a culture of pioneering, that's how we leave a legacy of faith. A culture of pioneering is about setting a new culture that people can be connected to God. 
I just want to invite the band to join me. The final thing is this. You know, ultimately, we talked about these different cultures. Ultimately, we were bringing one culture. Talked about a culture of breakthrough. Talked about a culture of thankfulness, culture of grace, culture of pioneering. But we're bringing one culture, the kingdom culture, the kingdom of God culture. It says this in verse 7. For this purpose, I was appointed a herald and apostle, and I am telling you the truth. I am not lying and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. The writer is stating this is what Paul was called to do. You know, if you want to know this morning, what what are we called to do? What does God want us to do? He wants us to be kingdom culture setters. That wherever we go, we bring God's kingdom's culture. You know, and it's right from the start of the Bible. In Genesis 1, when God creates man, he says, you're in charge. You're the ruler over this stuff I've created. I want you to lead it. And for me, that's like an example of setting culture. I'm putting you in the environment, and I'm asking you to lead. We're talking about living and leading in this series. And God, from the start of time, has created us to be culture setters. Throughout the Bible, we see examples of culture setters, people who set the culture where they were, changed the environment, led the way. And if you want to know what God's kingdom is, there's four very simple words that's used to sum it up in the original language, translated from the original language. The rule, the leadership of God. The reign, that God's reigning for eternal. The realm, where God is, his presence, and the royalty. Actually, God is the ultimate leader. God is the ultimate king. And we get to be part of setting that culture. And sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we feel like we're almost in a split culture. We're almost like, well, someone says this, and my parents think this, and one of my parents thinks that. Well, Timothy was in the same situation. His mum, Paul credits his mum, Paul the Apostle writes in 2 Timothy that he credits his mum and grandma for keeping a great faith and passing that on to Timothy. But you see, his dad is Greek. And actually, that's two cultures pressing in on his life. As two people saying, actually, no, this is the way to live. And maybe his dad was saying, well, no, maybe there's other gods, you know, maybe. And his mum's saying, no, there's, there's one true God. We need to follow God. And that's pressing around him. And sometimes we may feel like that. But we have an opportunity to say, actually, no, I'm not going to live out of the inherited culture that whoever might have given that to me or whatever is around me. I am going to live to set the culture of the kingdom of God. I'm going to say, actually, I'm going to be a culture setter. No matter what challenges I'm facing, no matter what situations I find myself in, I am going to bring a different culture. And we begin to set the kingdom culture. People begin to recognize who the king is. That is Jesus. That is God leading us in that. I started with this. Culture setters determine the landscape of the future. And something I didn't say before was there's a point where this pot is actually our life. That actually we say, I'm going to put this seed into my life, this bulb into my life. I'm going to let that grow. And the culture begins to build with us. You know, I'm believing for breakthrough. I'm living with a culture of thankfulness. Then it begins to shoot up. And then it begins to grow even more. And that's when we go, okay. We don't wait to a certain point to go, oh, now I'm ready to influence others. But actually, as something grows in us, it just wants to come out of the pot. That actually, that plant is getting too big for that pot. 
the culture that we build in ourselves will always permeate out of ourselves. And then it shifts the whole landscape of the future because the roots stretch out, the tree grows strong, however you want to see that. And then it affects so many other people in amazing ways. We all carry a culture. What kind of culture are we going to carry? A culture of pioneering that starts something new. A culture of grace and thankfulness that will always encourage growth. A culture of breakthrough that brings exponential growth. A kingdom culture that will always prevail. God's kingdom culture is always going to prevail. So what culture could we begin to set this week? What are we sowing into ourselves? Could we begin to start by going, actually this week, what I'm just going to do is I'm going to start by being thankful for this particular person. I'm going to be thankful I'm going to start with thankfulness and then move on to my requests and petitions to God. That we stand with someone in faith and belief for breakthrough. Could we choose to show others? We'll start by showing ourselves grace and then that will permeate out to others. Actually, we want to show ourselves the grace that God has shown to us. Sometimes we need to remember that because sometimes we're so hard on ourselves, aren't we? I know I am. So because of what God has done for us, when he became the way, when he became that example of the ultimate pioneer, when the king culture just burst out, as Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, something shifted, a new culture began. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.